Well, good morning. It is good to see you this morning. Uh, the social distancing and the pews there blocked off make it a little difficult to tell how many we had. As Jeff was saying, we were debating up here, and it's always dangerous when you ask the preacher to count. Um, but we're thankful that you're here. Our numbers have been, been pretty good for what we know is going on. Uh, we have several visitors in our midst. We're thankful that you've chosen to be with us today. We're thankful for your presence, certainly to our members as well. We're thankful that you are here. And again, for a while at least, we continue to acknowledge both our members and our visitors who are watching online. We appreciate the opportunity uh, to encourage folks through that medium as well. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for good elders, elders that care a lot about this congregation and are willing to consider everything that's going on. Um, some of you may have heard there have been a few area congregations that have had some positive cases. Uh, they've had to maybe cancel their services for at least a week or more, try to account for that. There have been a few area denominations that have had the same thing that have even been in the news I saw over the last few days. So certainly our goal is to avoid that. Uh, and certainly the, the elders have a hard decision as they are doing their best uh, to not only avoid, of course, being in the news for that kind of regard, but while it may be a little frustrating for us at times to not be able to go forward uh, with more classes and the things that we want to do, we certainly don't want to have to go backwards and maybe even cancel our services again for a period of time. So we hope that you will stay safe. Appreciate the message that Charles put out last night. If you were able to get that over our one call uh, phone system and the uh, message that our elders are sharing with us, that they want us to be careful and be safe, certainly here in the building. Uh, when you're able to be here, but even in your own personal life, because we want to be sure uh, that everyone is able to stay safe and healthy during this time. It's been quite the roller coaster. I don't know how many Sundays I'll get up and say that, but it kind of feels like it for so long now. Quite the roller coaster that we've been on for about four months now. There's a good chance that during the course of this time period that you have been worried. Uh, I've certainly been worried. Our family has been worried. There's a chance you've been scared. There's a chance that you've been anxious or sad, or stressed, uh, and all those things have caused us to take many different actions in our life. All of those emotions have caused us to do many different things, and we've sort of ridden this roller coaster of emotions, and it's caused us to have lots of different thoughts and feelings. If you're like our family, we even had a time a couple of months ago where we had our quarantine food pantry all ready to go. Uh, we weren't quite hoarders. We certainly didn't have all the toilet paper, don't worry. Uh, it was more the Campbell staples, apple juice, goldfish, that kind of thing. We had plenty of stock and all of those good items. Uh, but we went through that time period as well. We don't want to go to the store. We don't have to worry about that because of everything that's going on. But one thing that we've learned through this is that emotions are a natural part of our human existence. Those feelings that you have felt are, are natural. They're very human. It's something that just sort of happens to us when we feel that way from the external pressures or the external events that are going on around us. I would probably even venture so far to say that I would worry about you if maybe you've not felt a little bit worried or scared or nervous or sad because we weren't sure what's going on. And we hear all kinds of different things. And so it causes us to have many of these emotions, which are perfectly natural. God didn't make robots. We're thankful for that. I'm sure he could have. I'm sure he could have raised up a, a group, uh, an army of robots that have done, would have done exactly what he had told them to do. But he raised up man in his own image as we have been talking about, man who can think and feel, and we do think and feel. 
And so for the last few weeks, we've covered some pretty heavy matters. I I wasn't exactly sure, having three months to think about when we would come back together, what all we would discuss, what the sermons would be about, but we've covered some pretty heavy topics due to the nature of what's been going on around us in our country and in the news. But for this week, I would like for us to consider another emotion. Have you felt any joy lately? The the worry, the fear, the anxiety, those have all been present. But have you felt any joy? The earthly human definition of joy is a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. We know what it is. We've felt it before. Through uncertain and strange times and events, it may seem foreign to us, but joy can be found in life. And we talk about Christians. The role of Christians in this life in being an example and being the light to the world. And is it not Christians, people of God, followers of Jesus Christ, who have the hope of heaven, who have the peace that passes all understanding, who are rooted and grounded in the truth, who can and should lead the way when it comes to joy? Let's notice together a few things from the pages of the Bible this morning. Number one, we should have joy. We should have joy. I hope that you have your Bible handy. We're going to begin by noticing from Scripture several different instances. But we should have joy in our life. Nehemiah chapter 12 and verse number 43. To begin, Nehemiah 12 and verse number 43. The Bible says, Also that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and the children also rejoiced, so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard afar off. Do you recall what's happening here in Nehemiah chapter 12? The wall has been rebuilt. This long project is complete. It was completed a few chapters before, but here is the dedication of that wall taking place. The people have put their mind to work. They have accomplished something together, and they find joy in that. We go forward to Esther chapter 8, verses 16 and 17. Esther 8, 16 and 17, you probably remember this occasion. The Bible says the Jews had light and gladness, joy and honor. And in every province and city, wherever the king's command and decree came, the Jews had joy and gladness, a feast and a holiday. The Jews have been saved From wicked Haman, Queen Esther had put her own neck on the line and saved them, the Bible says, from annihilation. Queen Esther had been worried about them. They were going to be annihilated. This was the plot that was unfolding, but she is able to accomplish it. She is present for such a time as this, and there is great joy and gladness, and it is heard throughout all the land because of what had taken place. We go forward to Matthew chapter 2. You certainly recall this occasion. The Bible says, When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. The wise men, bearing their gifts that they are bringing, that they have brought, they have found the child, the ruler who would come, that the scriptures would speak about. And there's joy as they recognize this fact. And they go and see this child and bring their gifts. We go forward in Matthew to Matthew chapter 28 and verse number 8. We've jumped very quickly from Jesus' birth, of course, to his death. 
Not exactly a joyous occasion through most of that area of Scripture at the end of Matthew. But the Bible says, so they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples word. Maybe the greatest joy in all of Scripture taking place right here as Matthew records it for us. Several women had come. Matthew says that it is Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. There's an earthquake, an angel of the Lord. The stone rolled away, and yes, there's the declaration for Satan and death and the entire world to hear. He is not here, for he is risen. What joy that brings, not only to those women who heard it, but to us even still today. What joy there will be from that moment on. What he did, and he said he would do, he did accomplish, rising from the grave. Conquering over death, there should be great joy. Their mourning over his death turned to rejoicing. Their sorrow turned to joy. And they're going to share the good news right then and there. And we even go forward in our Bible to Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12 and verse number 14. I wanted to include this one because this is one of those humorous passages in Scripture that we read about sometimes. Acts 12 and verse 14, the Bible says, Luke records for us, recognizing Peter's voice in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. One of the great humorous examples in all the Bible, Peter had been kept in prison. Acts chapter 12 and verse number 5, he is under the tightest of securities bound with two chains, between two soldiers, more guards before the doors. But by miraculous means, he is freed. And as he steps out a free man and ponders his situation, he decides to visit the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where several have gathered to pray. And so Peter knocks, and a young girl by the name of Rhoda comes to answer and has this response. Peter is at the gate, but rather than welcoming in, she's so excited, she runs away and leaves him standing at the locked gate. But that's how much joy she had, recognizing that Peter's not dead. He's no longer in prison. He is now here with us again. Joy can cause funny things to happen sometimes. It's obviously perfectly biblical. Example after example in the Bible of people who had joy and expressed that joy in different ways. But it would help us this morning to recognize number two, we are not joyful every moment of life. You see, if we're not careful, what we do sometimes is we set up extremes. Did you know that? Have you noticed that on the news lately? If you're not one, you got to be the other right? There's, there's no middle ground. Two things can't be true at the same time as we've talked about. So what we're, if we're not careful, what we do is we set up these extremes and you think if I am not joyful 100% of the time, then I must not be a Christian or a Christian doing what God wants me to do. But the fact of the matter is the Bible tells us that we will not be joyful at all times. Going back to that thought of two things being true, I think it is the case that you can be a joyful person. I look at many of you in your faces and I see joyful people and I think you can be a joyful person and the second thing be true, that you're going to be sad and you're going to be scared. You're going to be worried from time to time because you have those natural human emotions that we talked about at the beginning. God never promised. God never promised 
or promises that he will keep us untouched by the troubles and trials of this world. So because of that, we have to realize that it is okay to feel sorrow from time to time. The Apostle Paul made no secret of this. If you have your Bibles in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 10, he made no secret of his emotions. He would often discuss how he grieved over things. He often discussed how he might have been worried about his brothers and sisters or even about how much he cared for them or loved them. But he could strike the balance that we are discussing here when he mentions in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 10 that he was full of sorrow yet always rejoicing or having joy. Full of sorrow yet always rejoicing. There are several other places in Scripture that we recognize that we feel, we will feel that pain. Isaiah reminds us in Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 3, even as Heath was reading for us, Isaiah describes Jesus, the Son of God, our Savior, as a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. The wise man in Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse number 2 said that it is better to go to the house of mourning than to, the go, than to go to the house of feasting. Does that mean we can never feast or enjoy ourselves? Certainly not. But there is a time and a place for mourning. And of course, the actual words of Jesus, he said it himself in Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 4. The Beatitudes, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Joy will come and joy will go. It helps us to have joy in our lives when we recognize that it is not going to be a constant in our life. And that's okay. We will and should have joy as people of God. But at the same time, we're going to feel sorrow. We're going to feel hurt. The third thing that I'd like to share with you this morning, something I want you to know about biblical joy, it's one final but main point. And I, I think we can open the Bible and understand at least one particular thing that God wants us to know. And before I say it, before I share it with you, let's see it in action. I hope you have your Bible and you will follow along at some biblical examples. First of all, the children of Israel, they're suffering in slavery. Exodus chapter 1. You recall there in Exodus 1 and verse number 14, the Bible says that their lives were made bitter with hard bondage. They are suffering in slavery. But God raises up Moses to lead them to freedom. But then after that happens, they have left Egypt. They are still in the middle of the desert, vulnerable. They are still far away from the promised land. But the first thing that they do is sing for joy. In Exodus chapter 15, we notice the songs of both Moses and Miriam. If you have your Bible as well, you might notice in the Psalms, the 105th Psalm in verse number 43. Later, the writers would say, Psalm 105 in verse 43, that God brought out his people with joy. His chosen ones with shouts of joy. The children of Israel had been suffering. They had gotten out of it, but yet they find themselves still in a hard situation. But the first thing they do is rejoice. They sing songs of joy. This sets a tone, if you will, for the children of Israel. Because we know that later they find themselves in a divided kingdom. And not only that, but through the divided kingdom they go into captivity. They go into bondage. They go into slavery. 
They're taken to a foreign land. They're not able to worship the way they once did. They're taken into this captive situation. And yet the prophets were still writing and preaching and telling the people to look for a new day when God would raise up a new deliverer similar to Moses. Again, Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 51 and verse number 11. Isaiah 51 and verse 11. Isaiah would write, So the ransomed of the Lord, the redeemed of the Lord, shall return and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness. While the Israelites were waiting, and even waiting in captivity, they still chose joy. The apostles, we move forward to the New Testament, and think about all of the things that they faced in the New Testament, specifically in Acts chapter 12 and chapter 13. You notice as you open your Bible there to Acts 13, we're going to look at verse 52 in just a moment, but all around Acts 13, 14 there, the things that are listed specifically, not the things we don't know about because there were certainly many of those, but the things that are listed specifically, they're stirred up, there's persecution, there is a violent attempt Luke writes, and even abuse and stoning. But yet Acts 13 and verse 52 says the disciples were filled with joy. They were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Amongst all those things that they were doing, all those things that were being done to them, unsure of their future, wondering if they will live it, live through the next round of stoning, they are counting it as joy. And of course, we know the travails of the Apostle Paul. Once again, the list can go on and on. He even does that for us in his writing. But he's in a dirty Roman prison. He's facing death. But he writes the letter of Philippians. The entire book. We don't have time, obviously, to go through all of it. But Paul chooses joy. He chooses joy in the Lord. He calls it that in Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 25. He calls it the joy of faith. Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 1, joy in the Lord. And again, we don't have time to look at all the other times that he mentions joy, even specifically in the book of Philippians. I don't know about you, but I've not had to sit in a jail. I had to sit in a jail recently and suffer because of my faith. If I were, I don't know that I would be writing about joyous things. I would be feeling worried, anxious, scared, sad, All of those things we've already mentioned, but Paul is choosing joy. Here's the point. The joy of God's people, from the children of Israel, all the way forward to the Apostle Paul, and yea, even in 2020, the joy of God's people is not and should not be determined by their struggles, but by their future destiny. Now, don't get me wrong, I don't mean to use the term destiny in the sense that that it's done, that we know that we have that home in the sense that it's just written and we don't have to worry about that. No, we still have to choose to be faithful, to be obedient. But we think about the home in heaven that awaits. The joy of God's people is not determined by their struggles here on this earth, but by their future destiny. The children of Israel coming out of bondage in Egypt. The children of Israel in captivity, in slavery, the early Christians and apostles, the apostle Paul. So I ask you, in the year 2020, what about our lives? 
What about me? What about you? Yes, there is death. Yes, we suffer through mourning the loss of loved ones. There is disease always hanging over our heads. There's always been sickness and cancer and even now a pandemic. If you've ever lost a job, you understand the fear that comes with that event. Marital problems? All marriages have them. Wondering if this is the end of your marriage, you can't work it out. Problems with our children? If children are born into a marriage again, there will be problems. You love them. You pray for them and want the best. Yet there is still and are still issues and they mess up and you worry and you're afraid. Lack of money, stress from your job, all of these things and so much more plague us here upon this earth. They surround us and threaten to take our joy. They make us worry and fret and get so caught up in the trials that we forget about the God who is above all that. And it begs the question, if God's people, down through the centuries, all through time, if God's people can face all of those things that we just listed and so much more and still choose joy, why can't we? It's hard. It's hard sometimes when those troubles get us down. But if they can do it, I think we can do it as well. Why can't we choose joy in the Lord to guide our lives? Like many things in the Bible, the simple answer is we can. We can. It's not always easy, but we can. You probably have before and you can again. So what should we do? What can we do? Three practical lessons and the lesson will be yours. Number one. Maintain a right relationship with God. It's about as simple as that. It really is. I, I know there's all those other things that get us down, but it's really as simple as that. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. The conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is man's all. It, it's all that's really requ required of us. Is God going to ask of you if you got the project done? Is God going to ask of you if you finish the projects at home? Is God going to ask, fill in the blank with whatever it is here upon this earth? This is man's all. Fear God and keep his commandments. In truth, there's nothing else we should be worried about. We have to make money. We have to pay the bills. We have to care for the things we have. We have to care for our family. But what is the whole of man? It's not a trick question. Fear God. And keep his commandments. Answer me this. Ask this question for just a minute. How do you feel when you are in a right relationship with God? Again, not a profound question and not a profound answer. Go back in your life to a time when you were doing what was right. When you felt that your relationship with God was in a good place. You were faithful. You were studying. You were reading. You were encouraging others. How did you feel? You feel peace. You feel joy. You feel like things are going all right. Why? Because your life is right with God. Sure, it may not answer how the bills are going to be paid or what your children are doing or the other fears that you have about sickness and death. But you know that you are right with God and that takes care of a lot of our earthly pain and sorrow. Is there not a peace, you might even say a joy, that you feel when you are right with God? Do you want to have joy in your life? Begin right here. And I promise a lot of things will fall in line. Not everything. And there will be sorrow. But you'd be surprised sometimes when you are right with God, how your life changes. Number two, 
Give thanks rather than complaints. It's catchy. It's easy to say. It's hard to do. Think about the woman in Luke chapter 15 who lost the one coin. She appreciated that before, right? She had them all, but she lost the one. And rather than complain, she goes searching. And the joy that is felt when that one coin is found is compared to the joy over one sinner who repents. One of my favorite passages in all the Bible. James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. My brethren, count it all joy. When, James... Tell us, James, when are we going to have joy? When you're around other brethren? When you're on top of the mountain? When you're a blessed person? That's when we'll have joy, right, James? No. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. When you meet trials. When you fall into diverse temptations. Now, James, why would I do that? And it seems humorous to us to put ourselves in that position and say, Oh, look, my loved one has cancer. I'm going to be excited about that. Because we don't feel that way. We are scared. We are worried. We are fearful. But James says, count it all joy when you face various trials and temptations. Now, why would I do that? Verse number four, so that you may be perfect. But I'm not going to be perfect. No, but you can be complete. Your trials produces patience. Your patience produces faith. Your faith then allows you to be complete, mature. The next time you face something, you're able to take it a little more head on. You don't worry as much because you know that God is in control. You know that you can have joy through the struggle. Give thanks rather than complaints. And number three, find joyful people. Make sure your life is right with God, first of all, but find joyful people. Who are you surrounding yourself with? Look, I, I know we can't get away from some folks, right? I mean, some of our family members or friends, we just, we're around them some, and, and maybe they're a little more negative than we like. We can't get away from some people. But who are you really seeking out in your life? Who are you seeking to spend quality time with? People who are thankful and full of joy, or people who are constantly miserable, complaining, full of bitterness? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 11. Therefore, comfort one another and edify one another, just as you also are doing. Find joyful people in your life. Be around them. Exchange messages with them. I know there's all the trolls out there on the internet and Facebook that are just ready to rile you up, but find someone with joy in their life. Spend time around them. Converse with them, and you might find yourself being a little more joyful through the struggles. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And praise be to God, as Paul says there, against such there is no law. As much as you can have, as much as you want, be joyful. Choose joy in this life. Choose this day to be joyful in the Lord. And then the day after that. And then the one after that. And then you get the point. Choose this day, not only to serve the Lord, but to be joyful in Him. Hey, you've got problems. I know. I've got problems. But we can be joyful knowing what we know and knowing the God of heaven. I'm going to heaven. I plan to go to heaven. I'm trying to live my life to be in heaven. Are you? That gives me joy. That causes me to take all these other heavy things that we have and I have to think about them. They're in front of me. I have to to worry about them even a little sometimes. But to set them aside and to have joy in the Lord. True joy only comes from God and being in Christ. 
And as we usually end our lessons, the question is very simple. Are you in Christ? True joy is found there. And you can have that this morning. By being baptized for the remission of your sins, you will then be in Christ. The Lord will add you to his church. And Paul would write that that is where we enjoy all spiritual blessings. Not just joy, but the peace and many other things. It all comes when we are in Christ. And that's the simple question. I hope that you're joyful this morning. I hope maybe you're just joyful about life. But do you have the true joy that comes from being in a right relationship with God? We'll be singing this song here in just a moment to encourage you that if you need to become a Christian, that you would do that. That you would make that right because that's the first step. That allows you to then begin to live faithfully and to have that joy that you can share with others. To be that light, to be that example. But maybe you're here this morning and you've had that joy, but the world has taken it away. The world wears us down. They climb upon our shoulders, we feel, and the worry and the fear and the struggle and everything else in this world wears us down. But we are made in the image of God. We can be in Christ. And if you're here this morning and you're a Christian, but you've allowed the fear and the worry and the stress and the anxiety to get you down, come back to him. Maybe there's sin in your life in a public manner in which you need to repent of. You can do that. You can begin to again live faithfully, walking in the light as he is in the light. It's a wonderful place to be. It gives us joy. And you can have that this morning. But maybe you need to make a change, even now as we stand together and as we sing.